You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom. This is To Serve With Love, a criminal justice reform podcast. You know, Yitzchak, after uh, last week, we had the All-Stars. I mean, you can't get the, it's almost like we were on the top of the mountain there. I mean, in terms of the, the great legal minds of the 20th and 21st century. Um, so I think we sort of got a clear there. It's just going to be me and you tonight. Yeah, Yitzchak, yeah. Yitzchak Kolakowski, the chief of chaplaincy in Waymark Prison. Um, and surprise, we're going to be able to do it without any guests. We are going to be able to discuss an issue that maybe deserves uh, a, a spotlight shined on it, because it seems, at least from your perspective, that something should be done about it, that there is a, a, a situation now in place that handcuffs you, pun intended, from perhaps pursuing what you think is 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 really a, a greater form of justice. Now, I'm being very cryptic here, but what we're talking about is um, interactions with um, incarcerated, former incarcerated individuals uh, by anyone who works for the Department of Corrections. That if someone who has been working for the Department of Corrections comes into contact with anyone who is just someone who has who had been in prison, um, standard procedure, as you have discovered now, is that you need to f- file a report delineating the nature of your interaction with this person. And it has to be registered in order for, uh, I don't know, I guess your superiors to realize that this former incarcerated person now had a personal connection to uh, someone who works works in a prison. And now that they're keeping an eye on this, they'll somehow realize that let's make sure that it doesn't get any further. Let's nip this in the bud. and uh, I think you were telling me before we started recording that the same thing is true is that, let's say you are a, uh, a chaplain, of course, the chief of the chaplains, or any chaplain who comes in or any CO, and he discovers that there's someone in prison that they know from the outside, right? Somebody gets, uh, and that could happen, as we were saying before, it's very common, that CO or chaplain or administrator needs to record in an official way that they happen to know this inmate and that they had a connection with that inmate uh, in some way or fashion. And um, Yitzhak, uh, you believe that although it's more than just the paperwork that's bothering you here, and it's more than just the fact that Big Brother needs to know everything that's going on. uh, I I appreciate the paperwork because I understand the the security concerns that are there i'm more concerned about you know are we are, what do they say spiting biting spiting your nose to to despite your face you know biting your nose despite your face yes you know to a certain extent not not fully again i recognize the value in this 
it is something that's absolutely necessary to report these things. But I've had, I could, I'll tell you a few anecdotes of how, in, in my, I think, relatively short career, how many, it's surprising how many times I've actually had to either fill out this report or, um, or tell people that I supervise that they have to do so. So, uh, you know, one very interesting case, you know, I have a, a wedding ministry, for lack of a better term, where I, I serve people of all different religions. Uh, as I won't do intermarriage, I won't do other things that are connected halacha, but as far as with it, you have a, a, a man and a woman and they're not Jewish, I, I perform some of the civil ceremony. I've done probably over a thousand such ceremonies over the past uh, 15 years. And it's, you know, something nice to do on the side. And it's, it's actually kind of fun, actually, to be, to be honest. So one day, uh, well, I'll start with last night, what, what reminded me of this. And these are two very different types of situations. So last night, I, uh, I got last minute, it was uh, on the secular calendar, it's Valentine's Day. And I get a request to perform a wedding. Uh, Mom, it's the last minute. They said we got our, our marriage license just became valid because in Pennsylvania, there's, I think, a three-day waiting period. And we're looking for someone who can legally perform the ceremony, which I can do. Uh, and and there's a lot of complicated laws there in Pennsylvania about who can, not just anybody can perform a wedding in Pennsylvania, but it happens that I can. We don't have to get into that. And uh, so they said, could you come to this this town? It was about two hours away from Waymart. And I had been there before because there's actually another state prison in the town. And I, you know, done some trainings there or other things there at, at that state prison. And, uh, you know, so I'm familiar with the area somewhat. I I get there and the groom, he's, I was wearing something that said I was a chaplain. So the groom said, oh, were you a chaplain? I said, you know, just innocently making conversation. I said, oh, I, I'm a chaplain at Waymart. He said, oh, he, he said he just got out of this other state prison over there. Uh, and he also uh, served in several other prisons, served time. So uh, it was uh, it was kind of curious. But, you know, we had a nice, you know, we, we kind of bonded over that. We spoke about how chaplaincy you know he, he spoke about the different chaplains in the different prisons and i know them and how he admired them and and their and their work and so forth and he appreciated their services and their ministry to him and so forth and uh, so then the next this morning when i got to work i said to my supervisor i told him what happened i said i'm assuming the inmate contact form to report this incident that I, even though I, I never, I'm never going to see this guy again, I probably wouldn't recognize him. Now I have to look up his case, look up his number to report. And once I looked up his number, I looked up, what did he do? Why was he in prison? And, and, uh, you know, I, I got to learn a little bit more of his history of this person. That I had this very brief interaction with the night before him and, and I've mentioned there it was him and his wife and his brother was there at the at this uh, elopement ceremony and you know 
it was an interesting thing. You know, I, it's a story I could tell all of my coworkers that this was something interesting. That's you know not something you necessarily expect, but I've had the opposite happen as well. So here, this is a person. He's already maxed out. He's already served all his time. He's not even on parole. So perhaps there's not even a, a real obligation for me to report. But my supervisor said it's worthwhile to report it because maybe there's some. They might be contact with another inmate in, and now this guy has my phone number, and it, there could be some issues. So just to keep an eye on these things and make sure that there's no problems with that. But then I've had the opposite. Happened. So, so to explain so, how having having your number because he knew how to call you to get the wedding performed means that he has a he can somehow trace where you live, and I mean, and therefore he could like what can he do? He could get a message sent to somebody in Waymart. What are they worried about exactly? Oh, there's so all kinds of things that they could worry about, you know. Uh, it's it's might not even be worthwhile to mention because uh, who knows who's listening we don't want to give any ideas. <laughs> i see uh, i see in other words basically Yitzhak, what you're saying is is that it would be in a perfect world the ceos would be like you know manufactured clones that basically don't like they're just they're just like robots that are doing their work doing it with some compassion and feeling but they're, they're the 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 possibility of any sort of personal interaction could somehow lead in some way to like a Danamora type of thing where who knows that, you know, the right? In other words, the relationship has to be completely uh, cut off. In prison, of course, itself, you don't give any personal information to any of those uh, incarcerated people, even though you, you feel close to them. You're not supposed and you, to, but you want, you, you, you know, they, they have ways of finding things out. That's the thing. They do have your name. They do have, you know, that is. Right. So I don't get it. I mean, you know, this guy who was not an inmate in uh, Waymart, but was an inmate in another state prison, somehow you have to file a form. Now, what about, you know, again, who knows what, you know, the prisoners are, know about you. I mean, they know your last name. They know your, right. They know things about you. You give, you give personal information clues to them, right? If you're talking about some sort of devious. They try to keep the secret, you know, if they're married, if they have kids, you know, we, I had my predecessor at Waymart was a, an Anglican priest. So Anglican priests could be married, but he wore a collar. And uh, he kind of wanted some of the some of the uh, inmates to think maybe he's a Catholic priest, you know, that he's not, you know, he's not married, doesn't have kids. And then I one, of the, said, then one so, of the seasons said something to him about, oh, uh, you know, your your kid played the soccer game very well yesterday or something. He's like, don't say that in front of the inmates. I don't want the inmates to know I have a, uh -huh. you know. You know, what? I guess what I'm thinking about here, though, you're not saying it, is that if you give out, if you give that type of information away, if they have buddies on the outside that they could send messages to, all of a sudden you're compromised because since right. they know where you live, they could send some hoodlums to your house and they could uh, blackmail you or force you to do things to help the guys on the inside because now they know where you live. I guess that's what you're talking about, a, a yeah. scenario like that. Yeah, yeah. Even though it's, it, it's, again, with most of these cases, it's quite unlikely, but just we'd rather be careful uh, and not take any chances. But as, I, as far as the story that happened yesterday, I had the opposite happen also. Uh, so when, when the new inmates come in, 
they have an orientation and I'm part of the orientation. All the different departments orient the inmates to, you know, introduce who's who and, and all these things and, you know, what kind of services we offer. So I'm there to provide, it was a few years ago, I'm there to do the orientation. And again, like I said, I've done over a thousand weddings. So the the one inmate who I still to this day would not recognize, he said, that's the rabbi who did my wedding. And I remember the wedding, he described the wedding, but I didn't recognize him from the wedding. Uh, that's that's how much, uh, that's how, how much uh, I put into these weddings. But I remember this, I remember where it was. I remember you know, all the things he told me. It reminded me, but I still wouldn't recognize him. I don't even know if he's still there or not. But again, it's... So when uh, that I, occurred, you then had to, um, since he knew you in a personal way, you needed to now fill out a form that, right, that, that right. this occurred. Right. And, really, and, yeah. and the thing is, you know, uh, these are small towns where most of these prisons are. It's hard to avoid knowing people. We we do have, there was one inmate who was a Catholic priest and this CO told me, and, you know, obviously he had to fill out the paperwork that he was a parishioner and, uh, you know, the, it, he's, he's uh, you know, and he's the block officer there. And one of the inmates was, was his, was his pastor. You know, so it's, uh, it, it, you know, so he had to, again, he had to report that, but the, the prison did not seem to have a problem with it as long as we're honest. You know, about know, I guess, I, I guess what's, look, the paperwork is one thing. Um, the hesitation to make a connection is something else. Uh, before we get to that, which I think is what's bothering you, because you, uh, you know, even though we have you on the program uh, because of your professional uh, capacity as the chief of chaplaincy, we know that uh, your home has always been an open one uh, for especially members of the Jewish Jewish religion to to inspire them with your story and with your humor, uh, with your family. And like I said, this undercuts your ability to do that because this would be verboten if you would if you would discover someone who had been in Waymart, who now came to move to the city you live in, White Lake, um, you would not be able to, again, it would violate uh, your, your, the, the regulations of your position for you to begin a new relationship with this person, even though they've served their time, and you might perhaps be primed better than anyone else to reach this person and help them. I think this is what is bothering you. And that that is indeed because I I had another I had an inmate who left the who left Waymart, and he reached out to me on Twitter, and I I didn't have any problem with him reaching out to me on Twitter. I I kind of he was a Jewish person, I want to be Makar of him, and I but I reported it and they said well this you have to block him you can't allow him to follow okay. you on Twitter. It seemed that he he set up the Twitter account really just to. To follow me because I I don't see that he even followed anybody uh-huh. else. On so in other words, but, when you support it to your supervisor, it doesn't go to some dead letter box. It actually is read by your supervisor. The supervisor or secretary reads the form, and well, then and then there's a, a security office that that that. that, that and then there's probably you know it, it may be hopefully a human being checks it out and aligns it with whatever the standard procedure is and then you get an answer within a couple of days about how you should proceed 
right? if, if I have a question, like with this wedding yesterday, there's there's nothing to proceed. But the, if an inmate is incarcerated, they might want to move him to another prison in order to avoid this, you know, that he has a separation from from the staff member for whatever reason. Uh, which you know usually would be because they had some kind of a fight or something like that, or if they had you know some kind of an inappropriate, well, may, you know maybe you know I understand relationship yeah. at the time. I mean, we have both men and women who work in the prisons, and the but I'll tell you what we've had chaplains who members of their religious community uh on the street you know were incarcerated they knew them from before and they reported it. And as long as it was all reported there was no issue but i think it's more the issue of and and again because that was someone they knew already and there was nothing inappropriate about the relationship so they didn't move the inmate and but on the other hand i would like to be able to be macarv you know invite an inmate over for a shabbos meal or something and Things like that. Once, once they're out, if there's someone who I feel comfortable with doing that, not everybody I would necessarily feel comfortable with that, and we're not allowed to do that. We're not allowed to be in contact with the right. family. Yeah. I see. In other words, I guess and that it could really go very far. So we have the risk, as we've talked about, because what it can turn into. I mean, we never know. A an inmate appears to be um, rehabilitated, but who never knows? They might be holding a grudge, and that could. A ricochet back against you, right? It might right. be that that person's, you know, like, like, um, like, like Afsholem and Amno, right? Who acted like he was his best friend, meanwhile planning the whole time uh, to kill him. So you could have something like that, and I guess the state needs to protect you. You're part of their neches, and you know they don't want to have that sort of things to happen. I guess what I would say is, look, I know you're frustrated because I know you as a human being, and I know what makes you tick, and I know that this this to you would be the it's it's like the second step of the rehabilitation. There's you in the formal guys there at Waymart, but now, especially if it's a person who you can minister minister to, in reality, as part of in, in your religious mode. And I know it's frustrating not to be able to do that, which to you would be the complete rehabilitation and coming back to God, the the love, as we say, to stir with love, to bring him the love of human beings and the love of God, and you're not able to do that. And 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 again, there is another option. I'm going to push back for a second, which is, you know, <laughs> you can hand him off to somebody else. You could say, look, you know, I really respect you, and but because of uh, these regulations, it can't happen, but I know somebody else and, you know, that, you won't have that satisfaction, but you will be able to perhaps do that. I guess that wouldn't be out of bounds, right? If there'd be another a Rebbe Makarov type of person that you could uh, perhaps shunt that person towards, that that might work. Um, but I, I think, you know, since this is about criminal justice reform, I guess what you're proposing, or at least putting out there for our listeners to know about is that maybe this is something that the Tzedek Association, Aleph and others need to look into and say, maybe there's two, the, the, the tendrils are too tight. Perhaps this, this is, it's not, we, we have to realize that there's got to be some element of trust and there's, there should be a way that uh, there should be at least exceptions or some ways that, that after a certain amount of time has passed, there should be a there should be a hoop that you can jump through 
that indicates that things should be all right. Uh, if everything is verboten, then it, it creates a hesitancy and you're saying you, uh, you feel like you're walking on eggshells. Maybe there should be a way that you understand certain situations maybe need to be reported. Maybe there should be an option for others where you could continue yeah, everything to be reported. I don't, I don't have a problem reporting it. It's just that, it's, and, and th- these stories particularly were not any issue to me at all. But I understand. The bigger issue was that was these, you know, people who I do want to be Macarve, I do want to have, or they want to, or they want to, you know, authentically, you know, there was one guy, a Syrian, you know, Syrian Jew, and he was, you know, he, 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 he we always, you know, he lives. He's from Flatbush. Uh, he lives somewhere else now in Brooklyn. But he said it's going to happen. We're we're both going to be at the same Chasna in Borough Park. You you know that's going to happen sometime. You know it hasn't happened yet. Where he said, "Oh, I might just show up at your shul sometime." And again, that hasn't happened yet. But uh, I'm kind of hoping it doesn't. As much as I would like to personally, I think that would be a, a nice thing. But because of my position, I, 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 I'm going to have to hope it doesn't happen, you know. Yeah. yeah I, you know, I, again, you wonder if uh, these type of regulations are um, the same in Europe and other places, places that we talked about, Sweden and other Scandinavian countries where the whole prison system is different. It's possible. I'm, I'm just wondering if uh, these type of regulations are there as well, because even knowing there's regulations, I guess, uh, creates a hesitancy. And I think that's really what we're talking about. So this is news to me. I was happy that uh, this was an issue that that you feel uh, perhaps needs to be uh, looked into. Oh, a, a sort of an overlooked aspect, which, uh, you know, which is, I, I think, really fits into the theme of what we've been trying to do, which is bring to the forefront problems. And hopefully uh, we can do something to alleviate this or make it at least more manageable and uh, and give, if not exceptions, but at least uh, a way that it doesn't seem like you are as frustrated, that, uh, that frustration shouldn't reign the way it does. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 